0: So this culture of origin idea is pretty broad, but the more we think about it the better we can understand some of the friction points that exist in our lives. Let me start playing with this as it relates to parenting. Hello and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired podcast network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? It's Thanksgiving weekend. You're probably being bombarded with enough commercialism, so no commercials today. We're just going to jump right into it. I want to share with you a thought that's been dancing around in my head for years now. It's a concept that plays a pretty prominent role in how I approach the world, so I want to I wanna share it with you because maybe it will be helpful. Several years ago, uh, when I first started really digging into the principles of anti-racism, I came across this concept that often the first thought which enters our mind comes from our culture of origin. And it's not necessarily our own thought. And it doesn't necessarily come from us. And also that it doesn't have to be the only thought on the matter. And it doesn't have to be the thought that we follow. The example and exercise that this was given in, in the context of anti-racism was that if you're walking down the street and you see a black man coming toward you and you get anxious and want to cross the street, that anxiety, that impulse to cross the street, those come from the thoughts and ideas growing out of the culture that you grew up in. They come from the messages that you picked up from the media and the people around you. They don't necessarily come from you. So if you grew up in the 80s watching, I don't know, cop dramas on television or action movies where the black guy was always a thug and always violent and always dangerous, those are racist messages that you've brought into yourself, not even on purpose. And they're providing you with these thoughts that come unbidden and immediately. And you don't have to listen to them. You don't have to cross the street. You don't have to feel threatened. That might just be a guy walking down the street who has darker skin than you if you're a white person. You don't need to feel that threat or that danger unless there's other things that are happening, right? Like if the guy's got a gun pointed at you as he walks down the street or he's brandishing a knife, that's different. But if it's just some dude coming down the road, you're having these anxieties and these thoughts as a result from the culture that you grew up in. This was an important concept for me and it fundamentally changed how I approach the world because it means that I don't have to believe or act on my initial impulses. And critically, it depersonalizes things a little bit. I don't have to carry the guilt and shame of those thoughts because they aren't necessarily mine. There were times in my life where if I saw a black guy coming towards me on the street, I would be like, oh no, danger. That doesn't happen to me anymore because I've talked back to those thoughts and I've examined them to some depth and I recognize that they're false. Those thoughts are the result of the environment that I grew up in. They are not who I am or who I want to be. And this doesn't just apply to racism. It applies to everything, parenting included. For example, the culture that I grew up in says that kids, no matter what their age, should sit still at the dinner table Throughout dinner. But why? Why should we expect a five year old to sit still during dinner when they can't sit still in general? Is it because their fidgeting or chatter annoys us? And why does it annoy us? Is it because our fidgeting and chatter annoyed the adults in our life so that we are now annoyed by the fidgeting and chatter of the kids in our lives? That's silly. And it's even more silly when we mix ADHD into this. Those expectations don't make sense for a neurotypical child of five years old, let alone an ADHD kid. So let's unpack this a little bit. What do I mean by culture of origin? A lot, really. It's broad and complicated. It can include the country that you grew up in, as well as the region of that country. Your culture of origin is going to be different if you grew up in the United States versus South Africa. And of course, even in the United States, the Northwest will be different from the mid-Atlantic states. Those are different cultures. The cultures, the norms, the values in the suburbs will be different from those in metropolitan or rural areas. And those cultures, norms, and values will affect the initial thoughts and responses of the folks who grew up in those areas. Culture of origin can also include your ethnic culture. Of course. And we want to factor in the dominance of that culture, right? That's going to play a role. A person of Pakistani descent will have a different life experience if they grew up in Islamabad, the capital of Pakistan, than someone of Pakistani descent who grew up in London, the capital of England, right? Like these are not going to be the same experiences, even though. They have the same ethnic culture. The dominance of that culture is going to play a role. And culture of origin can even include the media that you consume. A sports fan will have a different approach to the world and hold different values than someone who mostly reads science fiction for entertainment. And they're going to have a different perspective than someone who mostly watches shows on PBS. Socioeconomics will play a role. Growing up in poverty will create different internal responses than growing up wealthy. Religion will matter. The culture in agnostic or atheist homes will be different from those where religion is practiced. And of course, the specific faith that's followed, say Judaism or Islam or Taoism, those will play a role in your culture of origin and those initial thoughts that come unbidden before we take a moment to really think about the situation that we're in. And of course, culture of origin includes family, which can be affected by ethnicity, but would also include things like how many siblings do you have? Or whether or not the parents of that family are separated or together? What kinds of values that family is sharing and instilling in its members? And it may even include things like addiction, chronic disease, or other challenges. And let's not forget about neurodiversity, because it runs in the family. You plant potatoes, you get potatoes. If mom has autism, the kid might have autism. If dad has ADHD, the kid might have ADHD. So this culture of origin idea is pretty broad, but the more we think about it, the better we can understand some of the friction points that exist in our lives. Let me start playing with this as it relates to parenting. For a lot of us, our culture of origin, when it comes to kids, really focuses on control, right? We want to control the kids there's going to be punishment, there's going to be threats, we're overpowering the kid, we're going to be loud, we're going to lecture, we're going to maybe even hit him depending on where we are, right? Hopefully you're not hitting your kids. But we can resist that urge to control, we can talk back to that cultural origin and those those values, I guess, that have been instilled in us, and we can change those values. We can be more respectful of our kids, we can we can stop trying to control them and start trying to just influence their behavior, right? Just like your kid is behaving badly and, and you're predisposed to think punishment, right? That's that's often how we respond. But I've been working really hard to retrain that. And it's what I do in the parenting groups is is I try to retrain that idea for for the folks that I work with because I want us to think about something other than punishment. I want us to consider that our kid is struggling to handle something difficult for them, whether it's an emotional surge or a homework assignment that's causing an emotional surge, right? I want to encourage them and support them in navigating that distress, in managing that difficult situation, rather than yelling at them to do their homework or telling them they can't leave the table until they get all their work done. Nah, man, maybe you need to bounce and take a break for a little while and we'll come back to this when you're more balanced and you're more ready to approach it. Or maybe I need to sit down and help you. Maybe you need me to write a couple sentences of this essay for you while you dictate them to me. And then you can write the remaining paragraph or two. Another good example, a lot of the time kids come home from school and they have that collapse, right? They might get mad. They might start yelling. They might go to their room and hide. They might be crying. Lots of different ways this presents itself. It's a real thing. And it might seem like this crazy monster has gotten off the school bus, but really it's just a little person, right? A little kid, a young adolescent maybe, who's been struggling to juggle just an unending number of expectations in a really complex and complicated environment all day long. Expectations of peers, expectations of teachers. Where do I go next? Do I have the things that I need? How do I do math? How do I write this essay? Am I spelling this word correctly? What is the capital of Pakistan? All of these things, constantly learning. Learning at a rate that we as adults don't do anymore. They've been overwhelmed, especially when ADHD is involved. They're struggling to manage all of this information and all of these executive functions. And then they get home and they're in their safe place. The people at home love them no matter what. And they fall apart. And sometimes that fall apart is aggressive and yelling and screaming. And sometimes it's crying. And sometimes it's sitting and watching TV and vegging out for a little bit. And we as their parents have to let that be the safe place. Do we also have to make sure they do their homework? Yeah. Do we also have to make sure they get their chores done? Yeah. We have to have those expectations. That's reasonable. But it's also okay to let them need to collapse for a little bit. And sometimes when they collapse, we want to fight that. And we want to be like, well, you got to do the thing. Or we want to, we get upset and we argue with them or we yell at them because we're overwhelmed too, right? Because our day was probably complicated and hard, just not by way of school, but by way of work. And that's probably the model that we had growing up. Maybe we came home and got yelled at when we struggled because we had a hard day. Because dad had a harder day or mom had a harder day and shut up and just do the thing, right? But that cultural of origin doesn't have to be how we approach things. We can modify, we can adjust our approach and be more calm and be more patient and support our kids. We might have a model of revenge where we're like, if you do that one more time, I'm going to brah. And we can replace that with some boundary setting. Hey, you know what? I'm going to give you the space to calm down and, and stop this behavior. And then we're going to revisit it, but this behavior is not okay. This is not acceptable. We might be maybe a little egocentric. How could you treat me this way? I can't believe you're behaving like this with me. Or maybe we can replace that with some compassion, some, I don't know, democracy, right? Like we've got some different perspectives on this. Let's see what we can do to blend them together or to meet in the middle. We may have been modeled with shaming, right? Maybe we grew up in a family with a ton of shame. You're making your mom so sad. You're making grandma so disappointed in you. You're making dad really angry. But maybe we, we replace that and we fight back against that initial impulse. And we, we try a different sentence. I see you've got some strong feelings here. I see you're struggling. I see this is hard. I see that you're feeling anxious. How can I help? And we model validation instead. We model problem solving over judgment. Maybe we grew up dealing with a lot of domination and a lot of power moves. Go to your room! That kind of stuff. And maybe we replaced that with curiosity. Hey, what's going on? There's some conflict here. You're upset. You're struggling. How come? What can I do to help? What can I do to make you feel loved and supported and cared for right now? A lot of this requires some significant work on our end. Because we have to stop looking at the surface and start looking deeper. It's that whole, my kid is not giving me a hard time. My kid is having a hard time. My kid is not a jerk. My kid is struggling with something. Your kid is not pushing your buttons. It's not about you. It's about them and they need some support. They need some new ideas. They need some time to be frustrated and work through that. Let's say you've got some support for your kid, right? You're trying to, your kid's going to counseling, your kid has a coach, and you're like, they're just resistant to treatment. Maybe they're resistant, but that doesn't really get us anywhere. Let's not think that way. Let's instead think, my kid is struggling to do what is being asked of them. My kid isn't there yet. Maybe a year from now, they'll be better suited to get some counseling, some coaching, some support. But right now, they're building the skills to be able to accept that help. A lot of this leads to perspective-taking. It leads to compassion. It necessitates compassion. It necessitates patience. And it necessitates perspective-taking in order to do this. But also, I find the more I do this, the more compassionate, the more patient, the more understanding I become. The better I am at taking those different perspectives. and. It's important that we accept these emotions that our kids have. And it's also kind of important that we accept their behaviors. But I want to be really clear on this piece. That doesn't mean we don't set a boundary around that behavior, right? Like there's behaviors that are not acceptable. We don't have to accept every single behavior. But a repetitive behavior that our kid is struggling with, they probably can't turn it off just automatically. So we might have to accept that this unacceptable behavior is going to continue to happen. And we just want to turn the volume down on it slowly but surely and have it happen less significantly, have it happen less often until finally we sunset it completely and it's not going on anymore. But to do that, we have to support our kid and we have to change how we respond to that behavior. And the way that we change how we respond is by thinking about Our culture of origin by listening to and then challenging those initial thoughts that grow out of our culture of origin so that we can respond differently moving forward. I hope that this was useful. I hope you found it helpful. I hope it's a little bit timely because it is the Thanksgiving weekend and a lot of us are hanging out with family that we don't always see. We might be hanging out with our parents or our siblings. And you might find that you're responding to your kid differently because you're back home. Those culture of origin thoughts, those culture of origin expectations might be a little bit stronger than usual. And honestly, that's why I'm posting this now. Because when those culture of origin thoughts are turned up in terms of volume, they're easier to notice. So I hope that this episode has been useful for you. And I hope that it helps you reframe some things and, and maybe causes a little bit of a change in a positive way. With that, thank you very much for your time. Have a good day. Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.